Welcome to Lakeside Church's message podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find your church family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. Amen. We appreciate you too, Jonathan. We appreciate everyone, don't we? Praise God. All right, well, welcome to Lakeside Church. We're in a series called Life Hacks, and you can go online and listen to them if you haven't. I think since, since my back surgery, I came back, I started preaching. It's some of the most fun I've had is talking about just some different things. But if you look at the way the series has gone, this Life Hack series, we started with talking about being humble. And I'm going to tell you something. Um, God uh, honors humility. And if you are humble, if I am humble, God moves on our behalf. So being humble is a great thing. Then we talked about um, the, necess- the necessity to be changed by the power of God. Like, you have to have your life changed, and if it hasn't been changed, you need to fix that. You need to let God's power change your life. And then last week, we talked about prayer. We had a good time talking about the importance of prayer, um, which we believe that prayer works. And if it doesn't, let's go home, because what are we out here in the cold for, right? Amen. If this God stuff isn't real, then why are we here? So, but, but I believe it's real, and I believe it works. And so we're going to go into kind of the last part of this uh, message series, and my good friend Gerald is going to come up and speak. So I've known Gerald for a while. Even before the church started, I met Gerald. Uh, we had some conversation. He's a brother in the Lord. He's been coming to our church now for about eight months now, something like that. And I just love it when he speaks, and so... He has some UFC gloves up here, so I'm going to get out of the way so I don't get hurt. So go for it, brother. Hi. Uh, first thing, I'm, I'm a very interactive type of pastor, um, so I want to have everyone stand back up, if you're able or if you feel like it. I'm not going to make you or anything like that. Um, I want you to stretch out a little bit, stretch your arms, stretch them. Because after you sit down and get comfortable and you eat a little bit later, the food coma is going to set in. We don't want that. So let's stretch a little bit. All right, cool. This morning, we're going to go into a big-time life hack that's been really influential in my life, um, but also in the lives of my students. Yeah, I'm, I'm a pastor. I work at Oliver Gossel Mission, but I have been a karate martial arts instructor for going on 17 years, but I've been doing it for about 23 years. Um, no, not sit down yet. My wife's like, sit down. No, not yet. Um, <clears throat> so I'm going to kind of give you a little bit of insight that's been beneficial to me from my faith walk and my martial arts journey at the same time. So let's kind of loosen your arms up. So put your arms up like so. Or throw like a couple punches real quick, and I'm, then I'm going to let you sit down. Okay, make sure you don't punch no one. Disclaimer. We're not a church of contact. We lay hands on people to pray with them, but not to punch them or hurt them. So please remember that. Yes. All right. So let's throw a couple punches. Throw them out there. Throw them out there. Stick them out there. Good. All right. Cool. You can have a seat. Okay. I learned a long time ago when I first started martial arts. For one, when I first started martial arts, I was, I call it sort of saved. I really wasn't fully committed to God. My karate instructor actually was a pastor, and I never knew that for probably the first eight months I was taking with him. Um, I always wondered why we, he was always sneaking in a little bit of Jesus here and there and everywhere, and I was like, well, how does Jesus 
coincide walking in faith and walking in martial arts. You're teaching me to punch and kick somebody in the face, and, you're t- and then you're talking about Jesus at the same time. To me, it never really made a lot of sense until deeper into it, and I started realizing the faith walk and the martial arts journey is the same. Now, granted, martial arts was originally deeply embedded in um, Zen Buddhism and other religions and things of that nature, but the concept of you dedicate yourself to something every single day to perfect it, even though you know you won't achieve perfection, is exactly the same walk, faith walk that we have also. Um, and that's how he, he ministered to me and ultimately got me to the point where I, I was fully committed, not only just in my life, but also the life of the people around me. <clears throat> I want to make sure I told everybody about Jesus. I want to make sure everybody understood that there's a concept of having to engage an opponent and then engage with God on a daily basis that actually works together. So I'm going to have you go grab your Bibles, Bible apps, and I want you to go over to the story of Jacob. Jacob wrestling with God. That is Genesis 32, verses 24 through 26. I'll give you a second to get there. I've read this story numerous times, but it never really, really made a lot of sense to me, or I won't say sense. I understood that he wrestled with God, and, you know, he got a blessing out of by not giving up. But until I had to wrestle with God on, on a consistent basis in my life, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. So here we are. It says, Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that, he did not prevail against him. He touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint. As he wrestled with him, and he said, Let me go. This is talking about the man wrestling Jacob. The man said, Let me go, for day breaks. But he said, this is Jacob saying, I will not let you go until you bless me. Those simple couple little scriptures right there have a ton of stuff underneath there. I never knew it until I had to wrestle with situations in my own life because then it made complete sense to me. So point one, we're going to hop right into this. Point one, we are to, if we're going to wrestle or grapple, okay, Caleb does jujitsu. Okay, I, I do jiu-jitsu do, uh, do also. Me and him share a lot of the same knowledge. We studied at the same place for a little while. I do kicking and punching, taekwondo, karate, zen shodokai, all that kind of cool stuff. Okay. The concept of grappling and wrestling with someone is the same thing here. To grapple and wrestle effectively, you must engage the opponent at close range. I need a volunteer. I'm not going to throw nobody, I promise. He's looking at me. Like, please. He's like, please do it. All right, check this out. Um, can y'all hear me? Yes. If, if him and I, if Kayla and I were fighting, can I fight him like this? No. I'm short. My legs are only so long. Okay. He could probably reach out and touch me. But if I'm going to effectively grapple and wrestle with him, I have to be right here. And the thing is, the closer you are, the much easier it becomes. It's impossible to fight someone if you can't be in range of them. Okay, it's kind of like you ever seen the schoolyard fights where you got the kid who's like talking a bunch of junk and talking smack and, there's, and his buddy's in front of him and he's standing behind him like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do this. 
but he's got a shield in front of him. They never actually get to each other, but yet they'll jaw back and forth. I remember when I was in high school and I saw stuff like that, I'm like, just get out the way. I want to see the fight. Let me pop some popcorn so I can sit down and watch this. It never happens. It was always a big letdown. But the problem is, is like if we're not willing to engage God on a very close proximity to become one with him, you can't have a deep relationship with him. Okay, I was taught in jiu-jitsu when you're grappling, you got to be so tight to somebody. You're like a constrictor. Okay, it's the same way I teach my students. When you're grappling with someone, you want to be so tight on them that you can squeeze the life out of them. I know that's kind of messed up sounding, but the tighter you are to, to them, the less they can do to you because it's like they're fighting themselves all of a sudden. When you're trying to engage with God, Okay, he says, the point one says, to grapple or wrestle, you must engage your opponent at close range. You've got to be so close to him that you can feel his breath on you. So close. You've got to be in tight, 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 tight. Point number two, and this goes right into point two, and it segues into it. It says, to, gra- to wrestle and grapple, you must be sensitive to the every move. When you are in close proximity and close range and you're so tight to the opponent, you're grappling, and from a jiu-jitsu standpoint or a self-defense standpoint, you can feel every muscle move on their body. And that's what you want. You want to develop sensitivity. And in martial arts, the only way you develop sensitivity in grappling is to grapple all the time. Okay, you can talk to Caleb or you talk to me. We spit hours upon hours upon hours on the mat rolling around with people. And since they would say, rotate, you don't get a break. You rotate right over and start it again. Because every time you grapple someone different, the sensitivity is different also. You have to learn to become sensitive to every move. God wants us to be sensitive to his every move. And the only way you can ever get that sensitive to him is if you're willing to engage him at such a close proximity, so, such a tightness, that when he moves, you move. When he breathes, you breathe. When he laughs and, joy, and has joy, you feel that also. It's a, it's a level of sensitivity that only comes from being so close to him. I mean, if you think about it, when, if you're holding hands with somebody, your wife or your girlfriend or, or your, your boyfriend, your husband, and they slightly move, if you're in tune with them as much as you think you are, you say you are, you can feel it. That's the level of sensitivity. That's the level of intimacy you want to have with God on a day-to-day basis. Point three. It goes and talks about in the scripture that he never let go until the man gave him his blessing. This is a big deal because I think sometimes all of us in here, and I'll say I guarantee, I guarantee there's someone in here that you're wrestling constantly with the situations of life, whether it's an addiction, depression, thoughts of suicide some sort of hang-up, an old relationship, things at work. I can go on and on and on and on and on. You wrestle with the stuff so much that at times that you're exhausted. You feel like you want to give up. Here's Jacob wrestling with this man. The man touches him and dislocates his hip. Now, if you don't know what a dislocation feels like, okay, I'll put this. Anybody here, any here ever broke a bone or dislocated something on their body? I can put all kind of arms and legs up because I've had it happen. It does not feel good, okay? 
I would almost beg to say sometimes a break feels better than a dislocation. And in some cases, it hurts worse putting the thing back in. When I had my shoulder dislocated, it, it didn't feel too bad. It just looked really weird. But when I put it back in, it hurt. That's when it really the pain set in. And the, and the bones I've broken while fighting, you know, those weren't too bad. It's when getting them fixed is when it hurt the worst. Jacob never gave up. A hip dislocation is probably one of the most painful things you could ever experience. There's a lot of nerves through here. Okay, and, I, and, and the reason why this story really got me is because a couple years ago, I had to wrestle with God in a situation of my little girl, my youngest girl, Izzy. She's six now. She was four when this took place. She had to have major hip surgeries to repair two dislocated hips. Now, we never knew they were dislocated because she would run, play, never complain about pain. She grew up already adapted and used to the pain. She thought it was normal. So she grew up. Her body compensated. God worked it where she could run and play, and we never knew it until one day she was just lent, kind of hobbling and walking and felt something pop. And we get it checked out and come to find out both hips were equally dislocated by three and a half inches on both sides. They were down and behind the actual hip socket. No one ever knows because she was always natural flexible. She, she would pull her leg up and everything like norm, normal little babies and kids do. But she did it. I had to wrestle with God in this situation. I remember when I got the news and I, and I, I told Heather like um, that night, um, or that day, I should say, while I was working in another place. It wrecked me. I didn't want to talk to nobody. And it wasn't because I was mad or frustrated. It wasn't because I was going to pull myself away from everyone just because I wanted to be by myself. I pulled myself away from everybody because me and God had to have it out. Because I remember going to the gym the next day. I got on a treadmill, and I blatantly told God, I was like, this sucks. I was like, give it to me. Take it from her, give it to me. I can bear the weight. I can bear the pain more. I've been broken. I've been hurt. I've had dislocations. I've broke bones. I can take this. Give it to me, not my little girl. And I remember hopping on that treadmill, running and praying and worshiping and asking God to do something. And out of that whole 55 minutes and 38 seconds and eight and a half miles later, I get off the treadmill with a sense of peace that, I, that I've only felt one time ever before, and that's when I fully gave my life to God. I told Jesus, take it. Do whatever you want, want with me. I'll do whatever you want me to do. That sense of peace was the, the concept that this is not about you. It's about your daughter having a story that she can share with people later down the years when other kids or her or other girls, or boys, or playing sports. You say, look, you see these scars? This is what God did. He restored and healed me, and here I am playing sports. And knowing how my little girl is, and she's feisty as I am, she'd probably say, so suck it up and get off the floor. That's, that's how she is. I'm the same way. I had to understand that concept, but I did not get that without wrestling with him on the situation. He appreciated the fact that I wrestled with him instead of just kind of counting it off. And I got a greater understanding and peace about the situation to where she went through both of these hip surgeries. And matter of fact, December 20th of the next couple, two weeks, she'll go back in. She'll get the two pins removed out completely, and she is done. 
She runs, she plays, no, no problems. You'll never, you would never know. She had two major hip surgeries, and she was in body cast for almost a year and a half total of her life. Never know it. Never know it. But she's marked. I didn't give up during that time on that treadmill until I received some sort of blessing. All the other things I've ever dealt with in life, when I was in the ring fighting competitively, I wouldn't give up until I received something out of it, whether it's something for me to learn or I win the match. My instructor, Brian, I call him Brian. Uh, some people call him Sabanem, I call him Brian. Brian always told me, he said, I don't care how you fight in the ring, Wildwood, because Wildwood is my pet name, he has. He said, I'm never, I don't care how you do in the ring, just fight your best. Be the best you that I've, that I've had you train you to be. That's all I want, no matter the outcome. And, I, and he said, I promise you, you're going to receive something great out of it every time. And I can say numerous times being in the ring, losing fights and winning fights, being on the mats, grappling, winning, winning those grappling matches or losing the grappling matches. I've always received something out of it because I never gave up, not to the bitter end. Point four. And this point four really hit home with me when I saw my, my little girl come out of her final body cast. It was, it was painful to pull the cast off of her, but to see that both legs were healed and restored, both equally looking the same, and then literally a couple weeks later, she's standing up on it walking and seeing the scars on both hips. Point four says, when you wrestle and grapple and engage with God, he marks you and everyone can recognize the change. Later in the story of Jacob, it says that people would recognize that he was in a fight. He was in, he was in a match of some sort. When you engage in God in such a deep, intimate way, and you wrestle with him on a continual basis, people, some, 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 sometimes people say, you shouldn't be mad or frustrated or be that way toward God. I tend to look at it from a different point of view. I look at it from a point of view, if you're willing to wrestle and engage him every day because you might be a little frustrated, at least he's getting the real you. Instead of trying to be all churchy and be all formal and talk to him, just give him real talk. That's all he wants. If you're having a real conversation with a loved one, it's not all formal. It's not like me walking up to my wife was, well, hello, dear. How was your, how was your day today? That would sound a little, really a little weird to me. Yeah, she would like, there's something wrong with my husband. Like, that's not my husband. That's a robot. You know, if I talk to her, I'm like, how was your day? Did your day suck? It was good, great, wonderful, awesome. God wants realness from us constantly. And granted, yes, he knows all and sees all. He sees into your heart. He doesn't look at your outward appearance. He looks at your heart. He looks at your character. But the thing is, is when, but when you take the step and walk to him that way, you are submitting yourself and putting yourself in a place of humbleness when you're that real with him. He appreciates those raw conversations more so than he, than he appreciates any other type of conversation. He marks you in such a way that everyone can recognize that, he, that you were with God. You had an encounter with him. He touched you. In this sense, there was a literal touch that took place. But the man was marked. I tell my little girl all the time, when she looks at the scar, 
and she's okay with it. One of them's kind of gone away. The other one is still pretty fresh looking. She looks at the scar, and I'll tell her, I was like, what's wrong? She's like, oh, I got a scar. I'm like, that's battle scars. Izzy, that's all it is, it's battle scars. I said, look, I got one here. I glued my face together here. I glued my face together here. I glued my face together here. Where else do you want to see scars at? And she's like, well, okay. But I'm like, but what? I was like, scars are proof of sign that you were healed. You have to remember, a scar is, is a wound that was healed. Scars are nothing to be ashamed of. Scars are something to be proud of. You have scars on you, emotionally or physically or mentally. You should be proud of them. Because for one, it shows the devil didn't take you down. You were healed and restored. And you move forward from those things. Those are markings that God has done something amazing in your life, some way, shape, or form. You're like, well, this scar really reminds me of something bad. But you're still sitting here now. You're in a place where people love you and care for you. That scar probably would not have put you anywhere else but here. You have to look at everything in your life from a scar standpoint, literally this way. Because scars and pain and suffering moves us to different places in our life. While open wound does the same thing. When it's healed and restored, you can go back to that point when you received the wound. That how it moved you to where now that scar has taken place. It marks you. And the cool thing is, is like when you're marked by God in such a way like this, not only do you recognize it and see it, everyone else around you does. And everyone wants to know what happened. I told Izzy, I was like, don't worry about when people ask about your scars. She's like, what am I going to tell them, Daddy? I'm like, tell them the truth. I was like, you had hip surgeries. You were in a body cast for months. You couldn't walk. You couldn't play. You couldn't do this. You couldn't do that. And then explain to them why you're jumping around playing a sport or kicking somebody in the head while fighting. That God healed and restored you of those things. I said, he gave you a story to tell someone that's going to affect more people than I will ever touch in my lifetime. I was like, I've got scars on my face and stuff. I said, but you have something that will change tons of lives. I said, you were four years old, Izzy, when you did this. Here you are, six. You have your whole life ahead of you, but you got a lot of people you're going to affect also because of it. Be proud of the scars. The markings that he gives you is not something to be ashamed of. Those markings he gives you is an opportunity for you to reach into hearts of other people as a vessel for him. Please remember that. Amen. Give our brother a hand right here. Amen. He was going to use them, but I'm glad he didn't because he probably would have hurt me or something like that. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish up. We have two more points, and I asked him to preach uh, or speak with me. And so I, I'm not a fighter. Gerald is a fighter. He's trained fighters. That, that's not who I am. I'm not a fighter. I've been in MMA classes, but my goal was always just to not get killed. Like, that was what I was in there. I went with a very big, highly trained, in-shape people, and everybody tried to do all these fancy moves, and I was like, my job is not to let you hurt me in the next seven minutes. Let's go. And that was my workout. And so, but one of the things I do do um, is, is in education is education is the only place in the world where you can walk into a room with like 1,400 people 
um, inside of a gym, and they're 17, 18 years old, and they can just start fighting. Like, it's like they don't go to jail most of the time. Like, they can just start fighting, and as a principal of a building, uh, they expect you to stop it. Which, you know, think about that. Think about that. They go in there, and all of a sudden, people just go crazy because I've seen it happen. And then I got to just, I got to stop it. Now, I know what you're saying. This guy's so big and strong that obviously, like, they stop right away. I know that's what you're saying. It's not. Now, I got a loud voice. Keep saying it. Thank you, my dear. That's my wife. She's saying it. And that's all that matters. But um, a lot of times I stop fights. A lot of times I'm sitting there, and sometimes it's just, you know, you know the kids that are like, you know, hold me back, hold me back. Like, they don't really want to fight. They want somebody to stop them. I stay away from those kids. I'm like, all right, what you going to do, huh? And you make them look dumb. But when they really get into it, and you got to go in there, and you got to get your hands dirty, um, it's an interesting profession. It's like Mills Lane. It's fun. It's never, you should come, you pick the wrong career. You could do it all the time. But right here, we're going to look at the um, Paul, who was the apostle. And he was somebody who was fighting with God. And he was not doing it in a good way. Paul was going out and he was um, attacking churches, which I think this today is much closer to the early church than anything we've ever done so far. Because we're at tables, we're eating, we're fellowshipping. The coolest thing is I saw one lady come in here and she uh, gave her baby to somebody who she's not related to, like, she came in from that cold, and she got to the table and had to take her coat off, and somebody was like, oh, no, hand me the baby. And I'm looking at the friendships, and I'm looking at the relationships, and I'm looking at the love. Well, imagine if we were having this this time, and then all of a sudden somebody kicks open that door, and he takes me off to jail. And then he takes, you know, these two people, and he takes their business. He says, you can no longer have your business. He takes your business. And then he takes from you all the money in your bank account. He just clicked a button. And, and that was Paul's job. He went church by church, and he would just kick open the door, and he would just lock the Christians up. He hated the Christians. He hated what they were doing to the Jewish religion, how they had grown out of Judaism. He thought it was a disgrace. And he was breathing out. It says he was breathing out murderous threats as he went around from city to city. Well, as he's traveling, um, verse 3 in the book of Acts, chapter 9, um, it says, As he's traveling, he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him. Paul's in this dark place. He's in this place of murderous rage. He is raging against God. He is going to the next city because he's in full-on rage against God. Some of you might be like our brother talked. You're wrestling with God for a blessing. There's something you don't understand, and you're in this thing where, where you want God to bless you. But some of us else, we, we can actually be in rebellion. We can be enraged against God. We can be doing that which we know is not right. And that's what, that's what Paul was, was doing. It said, and then he fell this light from heaven shone around him, verse 4. He falls to the ground, and he hears a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. There's some truth in there. Let's stop there for a second. When the body of Christ meets, God is present. This is the body of Christ. This is the clearest vision of Jesus you will ever get to see this side of heaven. That's how Jesus looks at his church. That's how, that's how special it is. And so Jesus said, you're persecuting me. Not just the church, you're persecuting me, Paul. And then he says, 
and it's in yellow on the screen, it is hard for you to kick against the goads. Those were things that they would put for animals um, uh, to kick against, and it would kind of stab them and keep them going in the, in, in the right direction. And, and so many of us were fighting with God. And when I go in to break a fight up, can I, can I, bo- can I borrow you? Can I put you on the spot, sir? You're a high school student, all right? So most of them, you know, thank God, come on real quick. When I go in to break a fight up, because I'm clearly, you know, highly trained, obviously. I have been trained. But when I go in to break a fight up, it's generally, and I have turned where all of a sudden I become the object of this kid's rage. I go in there to, to stop him from attacking somebody else, and now he thinks he has a problem with me. And all I'm trying to do is keep him from getting in trouble more, keep him in school, keep him, like, graduating and not winding up homeless and in jail. And, like, that's what I really, because I've seen that happen with my kids. I've seen that happen with my students. And right there, it is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I want to go to my first point, and then then I'm going to use you, brother. Don't go nowhere. It says, you might be fighting with God, but God is fighting for you. And so when I'm breaking up these fights and I'm going at it and I'm trying to, like, pull them back and, and I've had, like, some kids swing on me and, you know, I might not be a good fighter, but I could put somebody on the ground. You know, I got enough weight and I know how to drop somebody. So, you know, I, I'll drop them in a minute. And so I'll get them on the floor and get them calmed down and they'll usually wear out and so things like that. So, but when I've had kids come at me and, like, so, like, swing at me because I'm, like, fast. I really am. I mean, I look slow, but I'm, I'm quick from here to here. You know, like from here to here, I'm really good. So I've had kids swing at me, and it's like, whoa. You know, it's just that reaction. And then you grab the arm, and I'm not, I'm not fighting them. They're fighting me, but I'm fighting for them. I'm like, stop. You don't want to hit me in the face. Because hitting a kid in the face, that's one level of discipline. But you come and you punch me in the face, and then it's, it's over for you. In fact, I've played, I've had it in church league, and I think I've shared this story, where we, I've had church league, and I like to get people who are not saved and hang out with them. I really do. If people are not saved, I want to hang out with them. So I get a lot of kids who are not saved, and we had one time where this kid came down, he dribbled the basketball, and like he took his fist, and he literally punched me in the face. And I just let it roll, because I'm, whatever, it's not going to bother me. He did it about three more times, but then he did it to my buddy, who was sort of saved, he said something in the beginning, you missed it, sort of saved. Some of us are sort of saved. He punched me, and then he started to punch my buddy. My buddy, who was sort of saved, he was going to lose it. And we're talking, he's a lieutenant in the Army, and, you know, he was going to probably hurt the kid. And so I went up to the kid, and he didn't realize that. I wasn't acting soft. I was just trying to win him for Jesus. And I said, you think that uh, you can do it to me all you want. But if you do it to him, he's going to hurt you. And I got a little crazy eye. Anybody got a crazy eye? And so he could see it. It was really hard. I could do it for those in the back. But, but the crazy eye comes out. And I, and I apologize for doing that to you. I don't want to hurt you. But, and I didn't even do the full crazy eye because I'm really not, I don't know, it just kind of pops out sometimes. But I'm not fighting somebody. And you can sit down. I appreciate it. But every single one of you fighting with God, God's not fighting to hurt you. God's fighting to stop you. Like when a little two-year-old throws a tantrum and you pick him up and you're like, just stop, stop. And you're flailing, flailing your arms around and you're acting foolish. And he's, you know, he, the little two-year-old thinks you're fighting him and all you're doing is like, chill, calm down. 
It's going to be okay. And he's kicking and squirming, but he's not going to win. You're not going to win with God. But the good thing is he's not fighting to hurt you, to put you down. If he wanted to, he would have done it already. If God wanted to hurt you, God wanted to put you down, God wanted to punish you, it's not like it's difficult for him. In fact, it's so easy that at one point in history, he's going to judge us all. So if he wanted to stop for a second and judge you, he could do it. But he's fighting for you. He loves you. He sent his son who died a horrible death for you. And the last point, uh, or actually I want to go back to that story of Paul. Uh, Paul wakes up, he's trembling, verse 6, he's trembling, and he says, Lord, what do you want me to do? He says, arise and go to the city, and you will be told what you must do. And so once we come to the place that God is not fighting with us, he's fighting for us, hopefully we can get to this place where we're willing to allow God to do what he wants. And there might be those times where your daughter, well, you're doing good, you're a Christian, you're not even a sort of Christian, but you're a real Christian, and all of a sudden your daughter's sick and you got to wrestle with God for that blessing. And that blessing, if you notice when he got off the treadmill, it was the blessing of peace in his heart and faith and the ability to go on. It didn't seem like his daughter was instantly healed, but peace to get through the rest of whatever was going to come. And the point six I want to make is we often see Jesus' light in our darkest times. And there might be somebody here today, Paul was in his darkest time. He was breathing out murderous threats. He was enraged. And God stopped in and showed, showed him the light. Uh, I've, I've wrestled with, with kids. And when I say wrestled, I don't mean just physical, but kids who get through their darkest time, who've been abused and they've been been neglected and there's all kinds of stuff that happens and it's often at our darkest moments that we can kind of get rebuilt for me it was when my life started to fall apart I was a drug addict and I couldn't keep going when you don't sleep for a few days and things just start to fall apart and you were making money and all of a sudden you're not making money anymore and your whole life begins to crumble kind of around you uh God's fighting for you. Would you bow your heads for a moment? Uh, we're about to eat. We're going to have a great meal. At least I hope it's great. You guys cooked it. so. But before we go too much further, and I say that joke to lighten the mood, but, but you might be at a dark time in your life. You might be struggling with something. You might be, be, be going through something. And you need to know that God is for you. He is not against you. And we would love to pray for you right now. In fact, I'm going to invite Gerald to come up right now. And if, you, if you're out there, if you are having a struggle, you're in a dark time, and you need to see the light of Christ, would you just put your hand up right where you're at? Just right where you are. We want to know who you're praying for. Gerald, would you pray for our people, please? Father, Daddy, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to, to be around people who love and care for us. God, we ask you to touch people today. Touch them in a way that only you can. Bring peace into their situation. Bring strength upon them. Let them see the light. 
that have been struggling with things, Father. Things that we might not have ever gone through at times. Each situation is different for everybody. God, we ask you just to touch them right where they're at. Bring peace upon them. Bring joy out of them. God, we ask you just to move today in such a way to mark them. Let them recognize that the things they've been wrestling with and, and fighting with, they're tired. Let them know instead of wrestling with it, let them wrestle with you. You're the one who can heal and restore them of it. Just be with them. We bind those things out of their life and we set loose your joy and your strength and your power and your grace, your love. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hey guys, I'm Bob. <laughs> <laughs>